Hi, John Jamigliano here, and I'd like to welcome you back to our Catching Up on Capitol Hill podcast series, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. Today, we are going to revisit a topic we discussed just last week in our second segment, the likelihood of additional COVID-related relief legislation. Since we recorded that segment early last week, a lot has happened, things that could actually change the dynamic for another COVID bill. Maybe most notably, the ongoing unrest and protests related to the death of George Floyd and last week's surprising jobs report. In any event, it's pretty clear that in the last 10 days, the national conversation has shifted from the COVID-19 event to other topics. Today, I'm joined by my two colleagues, Carol Coolish and Jennifer Gray, both directors on the tax legislative team in Washington National Tax. Both have Capitol Hill experience from earlier in their careers. Carol was a tax counsel in the House and Jennifer, a tax counsel in the Senate. Carol and Jennifer, welcome. So let's just start with this job support. I think conventional wisdom was that we were prepared to brace for a 20% or higher unemployment rate. But then the Bureau of Labor and Statistics released their report last week and it showed payrolls actually increased by two and a half million and unemployment actually declined to 13.3%. So I suppose it goes to show how bleak things have been that we now look at 13.3% unemployment as good news, but nevertheless, that's where we are. So my question to you, Jennifer, first is this one. How might this recent, I guess, favorable economic uh, news affect the possibility or the likelihood of additional COVID relief legislation uh, in the GOP-controlled Senate? Well, I think it's an interesting question. I think one thing I gathered is that given the, the numbers that just came out, that the Senate Republicans in particular are interested in holding off releasing a draft bill until they see what the numbers look like at the beginning of July. So I think that's one impact is that they want to see how this develops further before they place down a piece of legislation. So a little bit of wait and see. Now, I guess the possibility, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jennifer, is let's imagine we get additional economic news that maybe isn't so good. That I guess then would compel them to act more rapidly than they might otherwise do. Is that a fair assumption? It's possible it can make a difference in the timing. It's also possible it can make a difference, I think, in what the bill looks like, perhaps how large it is, and perhaps what type of provisions are in it and where the focus might be as far as who they're trying to help or, or where the money goes. Okay, so if I understand what we said here then, that at the moment it's a little bit more of a wait and see, and that wait and see, uh, depending on what we see, could change both the timing the possibility even of additional uh, legislation and the content of it. And part of that is whether we've got good news or bad news, and then we're just going to have to wait and see how um, the future economic news we get will look like. So that was the Republican-controlled Senate. Carol, your turn. The democratically-controlled House, are they going to be in the same position, same point of view? or this? Thanks, John. In terms of the recent unemployment numbers, I think the House Democratic view is that in an absolute sense, the unemployment rate is still really, really high. Plus, it's a big problem for minority communities and others who were already disadvantaged or struggling. I think that the House Democrats or many of the House Democrats also are concerned that the enhanced unemployment insurance benefit that was provided for by the CARES Act expires at the end of July. And their view, again, is that that's a real big deal for many, many struggling families who can't find work, so quick actions need it. And there's also other issues that they addressed in their um, HEROES Act, which 
was their version of what the next big COVID response bill should be. They passed it about a month ago on basically a party line vote in the House. But there were many other issues they addressed in that HEROES Act that I think the House Democrats still believe are important priorities on which Congress should move quickly, including help for state and local governments, small businesses, health care providers, protecting payroll and other stuff. So I don't think the May unemployment numbers changed their view as to the need for a response soon. I also think they also are still inclined to go big. They want to do stuff, as I said, that would help the unemployed, help people who are getting back to work, help small businesses, help a range of different constituencies. But as Jennifer noted, there's still time left in the process, given that for something to become law, Obviously, it's not enough that the House just passes their bill. At the end of the day, you ultimately have to get the House, Senate, and the White House all to be on the same page, and there's still still some ways to go. But I think the House view is basically the same. Even with these unemployment numbers, I think that they, they would say unemployment's still really high, there's still big issues, and they still need to respond quickly and big. Fantastic. The unemployment went down. That's good news for everybody. But that doesn't change the fact that there's still a lot of work to do and that work should be done fairly soon. And so it looks like the House is going to stick to its guns with heroes and the Heroes Act and try and push that through. And we're just going to have to wait and see when and if the Senate will do its part. And then if we can get to negotiate a deal and get a bill done by the time they leave, perhaps at the end of July. So fantastic. Okay, now let's go on to the uh, the second topic here uh, that I think we must address, and that is the ongoing unrest around the very tragic death of George Floyd. Look, here's what we're not going to do in this segment, and that's just talk about that situation specifically. It's just not what we on, on our team do. There are so many other compelling voices on that subject out there. Our chairman, Lynn Dowdy, has been very clear on both her and KPMG's view on the matter, and I think that just simply speaks for itself. I, on the other hand, just wanted to approach a pretty specific question about what this, you know, shift in focus, very clear change in focus in the country from COVID means for the general ability of Congress to consider and enact further COVID relief legislation. So how might these developments affect the outlook for additional COVID legislation? Carol, go ahead. Your thoughts. Well, you know, and and I've been giving that a lot of thought, John. I think it's a really good question. Right now, it looks like both the House and Senate may move quite quickly on a federal legislative response to the situation dealing with police reform. And if, in fact, they do move quickly, and it, it seems as if there's an interest in doing something, there are some differences between the what the House approach has been there are from what the Senate approach is, but there also seems to be be significant amount of common ground. So if they can move police reform legislation on a pretty fast track and reach bipartisan consensus with which the White House also agrees, it does take legislative time and effort, but I'm not sure that it has that much of an impact on their ability to also respond by putting together additional COVID response legislation, particularly given that at this point, for other reasons, they've slowed down on the the COVID response so they they can get a better handle on what is it that's going on in the economy, what sectors are affected, what are are we in relief, are we in recovery, what's happening with health, what's happening with the economy. So to the extent that the COVID response has sort of slowed down for other reasons, it may well be that this proceeding on separate tracks doesn't have as big of an impact on timing 
as it would if the coronavirus process hadn't already sort of slowed down a little bit independently. And as, as I was sort of hinting at before, I do think that there's an overlap in the House Democratic views, perhaps, as in terms of the coronavirus response and the response to the current situation and what the federal government needs to, to be doing. I think that House Democrats might well double down in their argument for the need for there to be enhanced unemployment benefits and other relief to lower income Americans, given a view that the same population that was most directly affected by recent current events is also a population that was very hard hit from a health perspective as well as an economic perspective by COVID. So I think that from a substantive perspective, it may make the, the House Democrats feel even more strongly about what the next phase of coronavirus response needs to be in terms of what their negotiating positions are. But process-wise, as long as the police reform legislation does move fairly quickly and they can achieve bipartisan consensus, I'm not sure it has that much of an, an impact on the pace of the coronavirus response. John, Jennifer, do you disagree with that? I don't. And one of the things you touched upon that I think may be interesting is to what extent some of the issues highlighted by what's going on in the country could change maybe some of the priorities in the negotiations. I know there have been discussions earlier in negotiations on various bills about whether minority-owned businesses were getting a proper amount of the allocations of various lending programs, et cetera. So I think perhaps those sort of issues could be having a higher priority in negotiations than they may have had in the past. I also just want to mention, and I sometimes am guilty of this, that uh, we sometimes forget about the Senate Democrats. And as we know, since any legislation will likely need 60 votes to pass in the Senate, the Senate Democrats very much have a role in these discussions and negotiations as well as at least seven or so of those will have to support the bill. Uh, that's just a fantastic point, Jennifer, and you're right. You know, the Senate is not the House. We always have to remind us, especially as a House person, I always have to remind myself, the Senate is not the House. And you're right, the Senate Democrats are absolutely going to have an important role. And Carol, sort of in closing, I mean, I thought that your point was a, a really interesting one, too, and in that I think the easy thing to think is that this removal of focus on COVID as related to current events could slow things down. But you're right. It may, based upon what's happening with the COVID response anyway, it may not at all. And we can't forget that they may move quickly and be able to do something on a bipartisan basis. Okay. Well, look, I want to thank you both, Carol and Jennifer, for tackling two really important and in some ways difficult issues. I thought that was a really interesting conversation. And I want to thank you all for joining us this week. And we'll be back next week with the next edition. And who knows what events the next week holds and what topic we'll tackle then. We've got plenty of things that we intend to do, but events keep overtaking us. So I look forward to talking to you all next week. Thank you.